0: I am athlete parlay is killing it this year. These are guaranteed wins. I'm
1: gonna take Arizona over San Fran. Whoa!
0: Daniel Jones over Patrick Mahomes at home?
1: Here are the three teams. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Atlanta. Who's going to get it done? Tom Brady's going to get it done. I'm telling you. Like I'm not betting against the Colts. Get the Arizona Cardinals at my old team, my ex, the Chicago Bears. The Cardinals, man, I'm telling you right now, the Arizona Cardinals, man, Murray's getting healthy. This is the year, so I'm gonna go with the Cardinals right now. So the last game, I'm gonna go with Jacksonville at the Rams. The Rams, the chemistry continuity, is it really gonna mesh this week? Jacksonville, now I know there's some games where Jacksonville's in it, and I know there's some games where it's like, oh, who's this Jacksonville team? But it's the Rams, so we're gonna go with the Rams. Those are the three teams. So we got Tampa Bay, we got Arizona, and we got the Los Angeles Rams. That is the week 13 I Am Athlete NFL Parlay. DraftKings.com is the sports book. I Am Athlete is the platform. Parlay. I Am Athlete all day. Promo code ATHLETE. Let's get it. Five minutes ago, I was upstairs on the second floor here at NASCAR's headquarters and I see this poster. What's the Wendell Scott race story?
2: It's a combination of what happened on that particular day and that that particular race in Jacksonville, December 1st, 1963, when he won the race down there. It's a combination of a a, a race, but also a race, his race, Mm. you see what I'm saying? So my man right here, I was listening all night, my father was an athlete. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: time I ever heard Wendell Scott was Grease Lightning, yeah. Richard Pryor. Man, I thought it was a comedy, and <laughs> I started watching it. I was like, hey, this ain't no comedy, it's Richard. Yeah. Y'all do a lot yeah. for your father, your grandfather. What, like, when other people try, with Grease Lightning, did they do a good job? They did a good
2: job, but they wanted to create a, a movie that was a cross-sectional movie. You know, they wanted to get whites and blacks in the theater. So that was that was one of the concepts that they had about that particular, um, uh, grease lightning story, uh, and dad, dad would say like, "Man, I wish they hadn't cut that out, you know, because he was a." They cut the nightclub scenes out. They cut the, you know, I mean yeah. he what, was, what
1: a, was. Tell us about those scenes. Uh-huh. Like, what was the scenes they cut out? That. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, That's when we gonna name. get that? I want we want to hear those yeah. stories. That's why we got y'all on you the know, show. You know, my
2: father, man, he was a. I mean, he he was a player. I mean, he you know. <laughs> He had all the scenes, you know. And um, so they cut some of those scenes out. Right. The movie started out with Melvin Van Peeples as the director. And he actually came to Danville. And I was coaching at the time. And Daddy brought him out to the school. And he wanted to go all the way wild with it. And Warner Brothers, they didn't want to do that. So then they, they kind of worked out agreement that he, he left the set. And then Hannah Weinstein, she they made her the director. So. Oh, wow.
1: I mean that says a lot. I mean, I mean you guys are, you know, holding it down right now and pushing a legacy forward. You know, making sure that we all remember and never, and for some, never forget. Right? Do you feel like the story has a story? Um, has it been completely told the right way yet?
2: Absolutely not. Yeah, no. yeah. There's not so much of the Wonder Scott story that has not been told and that's what we're gonna do. Right. Uh, in conjunction with the projects that we have going, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna tell the whole story. Right. Let me say something to you though, man. You made me think about a quote my daddy used to use. and My father said, look, just because I lose a race, it don't mean I'm defeated. Mm. So when you, you get in the boxing ring, if you happen to decision don't go against you, that don't mean you're defeated.
1: Mm. Did you watch his first fight? <laughs> No, I haven't seen him fight. Chan, can you give him a recap of the first fight? I'm trying to understand
3: how the recap of the first fight would be bad anyway, but go ahead.
0: I just, yeah, just you. You look good. You, you no, look phenomenal. You there Well. But there was, a, there was a point. It was quick. <laughs> your booty was in the air.
3: No, it wasn't. Hold your. Sir,
0: <laughs> I was
3: down maybe <laughs> <laughs> point 0.2 seconds. Quick. And got up. You, quit. you got, but you got up quick. It's boxing. It's like they don't understand yeah.
2: in boxing, you go yeah. down.
3: You get, right? you, you gotta have one or the other. Right, that's what it is. I don't think they understand the dynamic of actually getting in the ring. Yeah, no amateur experience on pay per view. Right, in front of the world. Right, in front of fans. Right, for your first ever fight and actually doing it against somebody that does it for a profession, like that's that takes. Cajones. I would tend to agree. I
2: I wanted to be a boxer. Tell, yeah. them,
3: about the, tell them about the fight at the garage. Tell them about the big fight at the garage, the boxing match inside the garage.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the gentlemen who was with my father at the Jacksonville race, his name was Dick Cheney. They called him the Wild Horse. He was about 6'4", about 270 through 80. We had another guy in the community who was, who was a professional boxer. His name was Ernest McLaughlin. So Everybody hanging around the garage all the time, you know. People worked at, at Dan River Mills. They got off. They come there. And the back of the factory, they come down. You know, it was like a community center. So uh, we had this little agitator in the garage that night, and he said, um, Wild well, Horse, you think you can beat Mac? And, uh, and Wild Horse used to call everybody Billy Boy. Billy Boy. Yeah, Billy Boy. Any way I hit you, i break a bone. You <laughs> throw your arm, block going or break your arm. So, anyway, my father had gone up to the community store. And so they were going to box, right? And I ran, I said, Dad, I said, why wasn't Matt getting ready, getting ready to box, fight? He said, What? He said, He came in there, so they won't do it. So, set some rules up. So, we cleaned the floor off, we cleaned the floor, <laughs> moved to move stuff back, going to fight three one minute rounds. They put up they had $49 between the two of them. I think it was Christmas <laughs> Eve.
0: <laughs>
2: Christmas Eve now.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's Christmas Eve.
2: Right. So then they're going to be the referee, right? So the fight, the boxing match started. And boy, I tell you, Wild Horse was hitting Mac and his feet was coming above the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but Mac, professional boxer, see? You know, he kept on aiming for, for Wild Horse's chest and kept hitting him under the heart. So then he, one day he think of, hit him on the heart. He faked it and came in and caught him with a left hook and set Wild Horse on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and i have to admit though they had they had, had a few drinks. Yeah. Not Mac, but Wild Horse and, and, and his buddy Bro Robinson, who was also with Daddy at Jacksonville that day. That was his sidekick, right? So uh, he's sitting on the floor and uh, when Mac said, count that man out, Scott, Daddy said, one, get up, wild horse. <laughs> <laughs> Two, get up, wild horse. <laughs> and man, it was there and was counting for ten minutes. <laughs> anyway, that was that was that scene. But um, he, he, didn't he didn't get up. He didn't get up. He didn't get up. But you know, I want to say this: that you know, my the legacy of my father. You know, he we related to Muhammad Ali. My father's mother. And Muhammad Ali's mother, they were like first cousins.
1: So did they have a relationship?
2: Some of the family members tried to talk to, 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 to Muhammad Ali about you know sponsoring daddy and everything. And his, his thing was, the last thing I heard was, if anything, it's, that's a dangerous sport. If something happened to him, I would feel guilty. So he, ne- what... he never would give us any money.
1: Wow. So now you have Muhammad Ali, Wendell Scott. We're talking about Two kings, two black men, the first in a lot of things. What do you think came with being the first in NASCAR and Muhammad Ali to do, be the first of yeah. many things? Yeah. What did they have to carry?
2: Oh man, the weight, the weight that my father carried. I listen to you guys, uh, even with, with Bubba, and um, I think that he, he's one of the vanguards of the sport, man. He raced on the old Daytona Beach course in 54, 55, 56, 57, and 58. The only black man when they had 75, 80, 90 cars in the race. Mm. They thought he, they didn't know he was black at first, you know, because he was like light-skinned. He thought he was just a, a greasy white man, you know. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and then after he got his license, of course, but his first race, they, they, they didn't want to give his name because he was, he was, he was killing them in North Carolina, and Virginia in the modified and sportsman division and everything. So they, when he came, first came, his first race in, in Spartanburg, he was listed as W.D. Scott. Because if, if they said Wendell Scott, gonna, somebody would have known, wow. hey, that's that, that's that black guy that's killing them up in Virginia and North Carolina. Wow. So, you know.
0: The legacy he has, we, we, we everybody knows that. Name, everybody knows what he did. What about y'all? Like, when does Scott's son, when does Scott's grandson? Like, do you want to be, like, you know what I'm saying? Step out of that, or do you have that? Is it pressure on y'all, to I don't ever
2: get tired of it, I let my son speak on it, because yeah. he yeah, like, likes to
0: talk more than me. But is it, <laughs> yeah. pre- is it pressure to be to, uh, to, it's not in pressure. that lineage? It's
2: not
3: pressure because uh, my father is a successful, um, he doesn't talk about it enough, but he's a Virginia basketball coach and legend. He's a legend in high school basketball. And so I played for my dad, and so, I sat in the stands with my grandfather as a young kid hearing people hating on my dad, you know, especially the rival school, saying all types of terrible stuff about him and our family and stuff like that. And so I grew up in a pressure cooker. Mm. You know what I mean? And so um, my life's work became the pursuit of uh, liberating my grandfather's legacy, Mm. primarily, you know. Um, everything I'd ever done always angled back towards community of kids, and I've done a lot, you know, in my life. Um, but as far as my dad, like my dad said, no, I totally embrace who we are and what we are. I feel like it's a responsibility. Wow. You know what I mean? Because I can tell you that Wendell Scott's legacy, um, maybe we should do a social media poll, right? This would be a cool social experiment. Wendell Scott's legacy has saved people's lives time and time again throughout the years. Facebook inbox messages we get, um, DMs we get, emails, letters, people drive from all across the country just to come to our garage or to meet our family. If you ever done some real stuff, which we all have done some real stuff, when you make it out of something, then you begin to get a little more grateful for the space you hold on Earth, right? Mm -hmm. And so me, I've done some real stuff, you know what I mean? And so I figured to be spared or to still be here, what could be better for me than to try to use my grandfather's legacy to just broker a strong relationship. You know, young black kids, they don't have anybody broker for them. You know, like, so with the Wendell Scott Foundation, what we say is when we're sending a kid to a college or we're speaking to a principal, we're going in to advocate and broker for the kid. Mm. We want to know what dorm they're staying in. Is it the best dorm? We want to know what kind of work study opportunity they're gonna have. We know we wanna know the things that you would wanna know about your own children. Wow. Well, that's what Wendell Scott was. For lack of a better explanation, he was kind of like Bumpy Johnson with the moonshine. Right. Leading into that, right? That's what led him into NASCAR. But you know those type of figures hold a big space in the community. Right? Christmas time, mm-hmm. need some money, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Wendell Scott, he had yeah. he had a built-in uh fan base before he ever really hit the big time, he, he was so acclimated to oppressive circumstances that he was able, able to perform highly in them circumstances. And so that's how, over time, he won over the affections of Caucasian America. You know what I mean? In the beginning, you know, everybody done love Wendell. <laughs> that's documented. Yeah. You know, we were talking about um, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. Yeah. And the NASCAR beef. Right. Right. Greatest greatest NASCAR beef of all time, Wendell Scott. Wendell Scott and Jack Smith. You think? To what other NASCAR driver pulled out of pulled What's, the the, what's a
1: yopper? Like, now you... So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yopper. Dave kind of helped me out over there. I know, but the people watching, everybody ain't watch, don't know what a yopper is. <laughs> yeah. All right,
2: let, let me tell you about that. <laughs> let me tell you about that. <laughs> Just remember, yopper. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah I
1: know. <laughs> Pull out the yopper.
2: I know. Okay, let me tell you about it. In the second year, my father in, in, in Cup, Grand National, he set a half-mile dirt track record in Savannah, Georgia. First man to ever run a half-mile dirt track on the 26 seconds. So in the driver's meeting, we meet on the track for the meeting, um, you know, they gave it to him. He didn't really go that fast, right? Jack Smith walked up and they said, when they dropped the green flag, he said, I got five of these in and uh, This one right here, I'm going to run it clean through that raggedy-ass Chevrolet of yours. So Daddy said, well, Jack, if you pass me, pass me on the outside. So he got into a thing where... He was bumping our car and wrecking my father, whatever, so my father got tired of it. And I even my father didn't allow us to carry weapons to the track because he knew we couldn't win. I mean, it's four or five of us, 20,000 people. But on this particular night in Valdosta, Georgia, Jack Smith pulled up beside my father and pointed his finger and said, I'm gonna get you again tonight. And Dad had the pistol and he, he said, yeah, I'm gonna get you. (laughs) Yoffle. Yoffle. He He had the pistol in <laughs> it, his car with it. it he it, it yeah.
3: NASCAR beef of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. If, if you see see one of the daco dramas we did, you'll see that they actually showed that. And you know what? He didn't bother us no more. No more. He slapped on brakes. We didn't have no more problem out of him. Wow. <laughs> Yoffle. You know what my father said? I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm.
1: I mean, now I know why you used the word, because I wanted to come back to you. Mm-hmm. But this, guy, we gotta push the conversation forward because of what you just said. But you intentionally use liberate, Mm -hmm. right? I'm like, why you choose that word?
3: Because because of of the time period in between my grandfather's career and the present day evolution of not just Bubba in the sport, but minorities as well. You know, working behind the scenes with NASCAR, I know there are many African Americans in the sport that are doing some great stuff. You know, behind the scenes in different departments, different divisions, or whatever. Absolutely. Right. But when you when you think about Wendell Scott, you think about uh, just the you know him as a NASCAR driver. We hear Jacksonville. We hear about March 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really take time to digest 147 top 10 finishes. Right. We don't take time to digest 495 career starts. We don't take time to digest. Where they slept at in the middle of the civil rights oh, movement, man. traveling. Uh, tra- ground, bro, was on, tra- tra- picnic, traveling, traveling we across picnic the ground, country. The picnic table. We don't, we don't get, the, we don't, we don't talk about that, right? We were, we were in Daytona, and I said, Daddy, I said, oh, hmm, man, I said, where did y'all stay? Because, it, okay, so my grandfather's race car, it's a picture, car, it's a, it's a logo, a sponsor logo the most famous race car he has, the Scott Blue uh, Chevy uh, that he won yep. the uh, Jacksonville in. It has Royal Beach Hotel on it. Right. And so I'm looking at the car and I'm saying, well, if he never had a sponsor, then why is Royal Beach Hotel even on the car? But he bought the car from another NASCAR driver who was sponsored. And when they repainted the car, Papa told him to leave the Royal Beach Hotel on the car with hopes that someone would say, well, I guess they sponsoring black people now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So maybe this will help right. trap somebody in the sponsoring. Again, it's those type of things that he experienced that nobody else in the sport ever had to experience. I don't know of any other driver in NASCAR history who had to worry about when they left their home if they would die on the way to or from. I don't know of any other NASCAR driver. I read, I read an article on my granddad in 1986. In the interview, the journalist asked my granddad was he ever scared, you know, going to these different places. And he always said that the one place that he felt most fearful is where he started, which was South Carolina. But the way he said that he was scared that he would die was from uh, a sniper. Oh, man. That's what was in his mind. It wasn't the super speedways. It wasn't uh, the Ku Klux Klan or any of that, it was somebody perched up in a tree, hitting them from long range, because at that time, that's how our leaders were dying. Wow. Makes perfect sense.
2: You know, we were in Birmingham, Alabama. And um, that was two months after Martin Luther King was in, in Birmingham jail, racing at the fairgrounds. After the race, one of the NASCAR stewards came and said, Frank, said, where's your father? I said, he went to get paid off. He said, man, go get him. He said, y'all got to get out of here. We get you got a death threat. We got, to, you know, he said y'all need to get out of here. He said tell him we'll mail him his, we'll mail him his his, his check, you know. Uh, so I went and told Dad what you know. He said man I ain't, you know. I said no Dad let's go. So he said um, they were they were they weren't gonna they won't they had a, a place they were gonna block us off and burn us. You know we had the truck with the race up on top of it and and gonna burn our racing down and whatever. So. They, the guy told us the way to go. He said, don't go that way. He said, it's gonna put you out of the way. So you're gonna probably have to go about 50, 60, 70 miles out of the way. Go towards Memphis, I think I heard him say. And that's what we did. So we, we dealt with some things like that. My father experienced, um, we raced in Dover, Delaware. one in the race up there and, and th- at that time, they let the fans actually come to the, in the pits. and, and uh, So someone offered my father what he thought was a cold cup of orange juice. But it was, but it was, it was a Mickey. Oh wow! And my, see, my father never drank nor smoked. He had a little liquor though. Mm. But you know, <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you think you think right. he did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> how you maximize the property. Right. From, from, from Maryland, Maryland to, to,
2: to North Carolina, Charlotte. Anyway, but anyway, that drink was a Mickey, and for 36 hours, man, my father, I had to hold him down. He didn't even know where he was or who he was. Who he was. It was a powerful stuff, but his constitution was so strong. That's why I think he didn't die. So from that point on for our family, if we didn't, if you didn't crack the top on it or, or come from the family, we didn't, we didn't consume anything. We realized that, you know, that somebody was, there are people out there that wanted to hurt you.
1: You guys really are like NASCAR royalty, mm-hmm. like truly. And I don't know if you guys feel that way. I know you guys were just honored, but like, man, just sitting back and hearing you guys tell these stories. I mean, this is an honor. It's a blessing. We're talking about, you know, your father, your grandfather, but Pops, you've been through a lot. I mean, thinking about it, you're saying I'm at the racetrack. You're a kid talking about I'm my dad's
3: bodyguard. He's a kid. He's working on the racing team due to my grandfather's own admission. This is in documentaries. He's at the garage. My grandfather said that I had my boys up at the garage way earlier than they ever should have been. What you saying? Seven, eight years old.
2: (laughs) So you (laughs) could get a NASCAR license, a minor's release license at 16. When I was 14, I had a minor's release license. We falsified my age, my brother's age too. He was able to get a minor's release license. Then when we were old enough to get the regular license. They said, well, <laughs> y'all been lying about your age all this time, you know? <laughs> but he needed us. And I had a little mustache and I looked more, you know, older than I was. Yeah, but
1: how, how do you go through everything you've gone through mm-hmm. and your heart's not hardened?
2: Be- well, because of my father. He was unapologetic. But he didn't let it, you know. It was a thorn, he dealt with it. He dealt with the adversity, he couldn't, I did a thing, I did a thing, I'm not going to call it a station, but I did a thing on um, Confederate Flag, even before Bubba did it. That's when Jeff Gordon and, and Dale Jr. had come out a week or so earlier and saying that they were, they wanted it away from the track, even before uh, Bubba mentioned it. And I mentioned that. And uh, he said, well, how'd you, you know, how'd you, I said, well, we were taught, we, we were busy, we they ignored it, we ignored it.
1: Right, that's like what my, my, my uncle got me in the sport, that's what he said, he's yeah, been in it since We just ignored it. I mean, you know, 80s, we, we so had a job, and we
2: were trying to survive. Right, We were counting every penny, and trying to, you know, and, and, and you know, Dad said, well, you know, how should, because a lot of times he could have finished, he finished in, 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 the, in the top 10, uh, 25% of his races, he finished 70% of the races that he started. And a lot of times he could have finished higher, but we on the road, back then you got three races a week, you might start in Murrayville, Tennessee. You go to Chattanooga, and you go to Nash- Nashville. Now, if you turn your car, blow your motor, or mess your car, fact, you know you you back at home. So a lot of times he had to. Uh, it was a business decision. A lot of times we made. You know, we decide. My brother and I, and my father, we would decide how we were going to attack every race. You know who we were going to run. A lot of times he could outrun some people. They didn't because he didn't want to abuse his equipment.
3: So if you ask about like what he's gone through you race an entire NASCAR career and every dollar you earn goes back into the racing operation or to the house. Seven kids. He's got children during his racing career that are entering college and stuff like that. And so if you ask me how I avoided the bitter bug, I would tell you that that wouldn't be true. I have not always been the calm, Serenity guy that I am. Yeah, cause now, you're I'm, talking about yappers and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you say, you <laughs> but 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 my, my point my point is is that the hatred spirit piece it just never circulated through our family. That was never really a thing that we harped on was the negative part. But now, pride myself on being an intelligent black man, being raised by an intelligent black man. What happened for me was a lot of this stuff as I tried to articulate who we are and what we are, the stuff was making me look unintelligent. It wasn't adding up. And so I'm not willing to be unintelligent or be perceived to be unintelligent by anything or anyone. And so that's what kind of led to us beginning to kind of crank the foundation up but also look for ways to rebrand Wendell Scott's legacy and tell our whole full story. When somebody look at Wendell Scott, we get a lot of pat on the back, love, because they think he was only the guy that won the one race. They don't know he won 128 races prior to <laughs> yeah. entering the sport, right? They don't look at the success he had as a team owner. We're talking about a team owner. We're talking about a team owner who had white guys drive for him. it's yeah. a whole big piece to it, you know, that for me, if I don't tell that story, then I begin to look what I begin to look unintelligent. I begin to look like, "Hey, man, we, you know, we're just this one-dimensional component, and you know, this is a multi-dimensional enterprise. The cataclysmic effect of not attaining sponsorship throughout his NASCAR career, that's what trickled down. From generation to generation.
1: But then, and that that can go into a whole nother conversation because we talk about having access and creating generational wealth and having
3: we talk about equality
1: in this right. country. So that could be a whole nother right. conversation. So somebody
3: asked me, if somebody asked me, so you got the trophy, the Jacksonville trophy, the Daytona trophy. I've had people ask me what was the big deal right. about it. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not even malicious. It's just they really they really want to know. So you're talking about generational wealth. One thing about it is is that that trophy is a part of our worth.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's an artifact. I tell you what, quick pop quiz. Name the first African American to win a NASCAR race. It's Wendell Scott it's every time. The answer gonna be <laughs> Wendell Scott every time. So that trophy is the first of its kind. Right. Yeah. That's one of one, right?
2: Yeah. None yeah. before none, none And you had to
1: fight
3: to get that.
2: And the point, yeah. the point, the point, uh, not to cut across Warrior, worry button, and there were two thousand uh, pops. You like me. There were two thousand. Everybody all. Yeah, well, I know. I heard you say <laughs> when you you were messy. Yeah, yeah. You said you were messy. Then you say I'm messy. <laughs> I got you. I'm on you. <laughs> I'm messy. <laughs> so, yeah, you. But I, it, it's important. To, but a couple of things about my father. I want. I, I got to put this out there. My father was a great humanitarian man. We would we'd be on those bumpy, narrow swamps on the side roads down in Alabama and Georgia. Somebody would be walking. He'd stop and pick them up. He we brought most hitchhikers <laughs> s- slept in my in our bathtub. That was a bed. That was a bed. That was a bed. He'd bring them to down, and you know, I slept in our cars at the garage. Or, 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 or uh, and he would and thing about my father. He would teach him basic skills, mechanical skills, which you know back then you you could teach basic skills. That's right. Everything yeah, it's a trade. Yeah, right. know, Changing oil, brake shoes, whatever. He, and he always put them in a car whenever they... Some of them would stay two years. He'd teach them, and he'd always make sure they had a driver, legal driver's license. And, and, and send them, you know, when they went on their way, they had they left their drive in a car. One Christmas, this lady came to the garage, and she had some relatives coming to town. She said, I, I was wondering if I could borrow a few dollars from you. I don't have nothing, you know. So Daddy went in. Daddy's dollar bills was always greasy. And he, <laughs> he gave her... Money, it, it money had and it's changed and gave it to her. She said, he said, buy what you need. So I'm like, Damn, dad, that's all you had, man. So I said, Dad, I was that all you had. He said, Yeah, but see, I can make some more, she can't.
0: Wow. You know. Speaking of money, I said generational wealth. I don't know if this is messy, but history You can't eat history. Right. Respect, you know, he can eat respect. respect. You know what I'm saying? The like fact. it is is I don't want to say lucrative, but can y'all is is it well monetized, the Wendell Scott legacy? I don't even no, give me no, a number, but like no, you know what I'm saying, that's yeah. the
2: missing part. Yeah, yeah. no. That's the one that's the that's one of the main missing parts. My father a school teacher, man.
3: My parents grew up, I grew up, my parents school teachers. You know how much teachers make. Mm. The most successful man I ever knew was between him and my granddad. So I don't, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't even know the money part of it, whatever that is. I don't even really know what it is. Because the way we came up, you know, we was just always grateful for the little things. Hold on, tell out, tell out,
1: tell out, tell out. I'm gonna, let me take my seat back mm-hmm. and cut y'all off. Mm-hmm. That's what I do on this show. Okay, he's <laughs> boss. Right. My dream, all right, three years from now, I am athlete NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to help NASCAR reach new audiences. I want our community to get behind this sport and to get behind you guys, to get behind Bubba, to get behind Raj, to get behind all the minorities in this sport. This sport is phenomenal. It is. And my goal, you know, two, three, four years from now is for brands to say, you know what? We need to get behind you guys and tell y'all story. We need to get behind y'all right. foundations. Right. Y'all NASCAR royalty. Now there's so many amazing people, men, women, black, white in this sport, but that's my job and I feel that responsibility. I ain't gonna cry on this show. You know,
3: but you can. It's your but, show. But
1: because it, when we talk about generational wealth and we talk about access, we talk about equality. It's not just about y'all. You talking about I'm going to schools and I'm brokering for, for these kids. That's what matters, see, now, and that's see, how we change our community. But that's when
3: they right there. See, so so what's happening? You can't have a meaningful conversation about my grandfather and not be moved to tears, because as much as you think you know, you really, you know what I mean. You 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 really don't know. So that's a that's a That's an authentic feeling. You would not be by yourself. But but here's the
1: thing. But here's the thing. Let's keep it real. Let's just keep it real. This is an amazing opportunity for I Am Athlete NASCAR. Why? Because we're, there's five black men sitting here talking about NASCAR. Y'all, this is y'all culture. This is what y'all, this ain't part of our culture. Right. We're learning. We like it. Right. We're growing to love it. Right. 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 In football, We get paid. We make $10 billion a year. We get paid off of TV rights. Like a lot of the money come from that new audiences. It's important as a businessman. I'm a businessman. You guys are businessmen. Absolutely. We got to continue to push the sport forward. If we do that right, there's more for everybody. Right. And so the more of us that come into the sport, it's awesome. We get to enjoy it. We're right. going to be in the stands. Gonna be, we're going right. to be, yeah, I love Kyle Busch. Right. That's my driver. Bubba, I love Bubba. I'm behind Bubba because Bubba black. Right. Right? Right. But my driver is Kyle Busch. And he a white dude. I'm going to be honest. Rowdy. Right? Rowdy. That's <laughs> right. my guy. Right. right. Yeah, right? Rowdy is my guy. Absolutely. Yeah. But as we continue to highlight this amazing sport and push this sport forward, we also got to be in position to be owners. We need more Michael Jordans. Yeah. Fact. Right. We need more members of the pit crew that look like us. We need more Raj. I feel a responsibility to share these stories, not right. just with you guys, but everybody in the sport that's deserving, you know, to have a seat in a position. Well, this is why table. this is
3: why we're so excited to be here because of, because of yeah. the platform that has designed and yeah. it's, it's, what this you unique. know where you all from.
2: This is unique.
3: You know, one of the best things about yeah. Daytona for me was the way we was able to break bread with our people, like after the races and just chilling at the bar, just having drinks, you know, without, you know, with, with like-minded people. Like right. So growing up in the sport, that's an experience that I never really had.
2: Wow. I'd be remiss if I didn't make this point, but the Wendell Scott Foundation is, is, a, is, a, is a completion of a dream that my father, a vision that my father had over 50 years ago. Back then we raced two or three nights a week. You know, when my father was doing modified sports, he raced every night. Six nights, six days, nights a week, Around and twice clock. on Sunday. And so we were sitting in this restaurant. We found a restaurant we could eat breakfast in. Most of the places, you know, as we travelers, we couldn't. No restaurants. We're no One No McDonald's. You <laughs> oh, be watching. I wish we could have got a watching. McDonald's. He know. Pop knows. And uh, so my father was sitting there. and I was sitting beside him, like where Warwick is. He he was looking. He was just staring out. And I said, Dad, come on, man. I said, we hadn't eaten anything in over 24 hours. I said, come on, food's out here, let's, let's go eat. He said, no, he said, no. He said, see those kids out there? He said, some of them don't have shoes on. Some of them don't have shirts on. There's no telling where they slept last night. He said, and I'm, I'm almost positive they haven't had any breakfast. He said, if I ever become wealthy, doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be offering office homes all over South for kids like that, and not just black kids—not just black mm. kids. Fifty plus years later, works in the nightclub business in Raleigh. Which my wife and I didn't want him in. I was—it was lit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the <My> side stories. <laughs> yeah, the side. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so one night he called home about two-thirty in the morning, two-fifteen. And the first thing my wife and I said, "What's wrong? What, what happened? What happened? What happened?" What happened? And Warwick heard me say, tell mom, ain't nothing wrong Ain't nothing wrong. So Janique and I made a decision. Uh, we decided to move back to Downward and start a Winner Scott Foundation. Yeah. He didn't know anything about Yeah. what his grandfather said over 50 years ago. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cut it off. There you go. There you go. you good, eh? That boy good. Cut it off. Cut it off. Oh, man.